This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Hey, I want to give a shout out to another member of the HubSpot Network, the Success Story Podcast, hosted by Scott D. Claire. It's one of the most useful podcasts in the world. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, conversations on sales, marketing. Hey, and if you're a freelancer, his episode on how to make seven figures freelancing on Fiverr is a must. Listen to the Success Story podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Jeffrey Davis. He's an author, team culture consultant, educator, and CEO of Tracking Wonder Consultancy. For over 25 years, he's inspired thousands of change makers, leaders, and creatives to unlock their best ideas through the pursuit of curiosity, innovation, and wonder. Today, he's got a new book coming out. We're going to talk about it. It's called Tracking Wonder, Reclaiming a Life of Meaning and Possibility in a World Obsessed with Productivity. So, Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's always a pleasure to hang out. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I'll ask a really direct question. Define wonder. Yeah. That's a good starting place, right? We think yeah, we know yeah. what it is, but then we're like, <laughs> oh, let's wonder about wonder. Yeah. So through my research, I've come to a more clear understanding myself of what wonder is. It is a heightened state of awareness that's brought on by something unexpected that typically either delights us, disorients us, or both. And I would say what the most remarkable things, qualities of wonder are that it's Fleeting. Sometimes it happens just for a few seconds. Like you sight a, you know, a deer in the woods, or you know, sunset. Sometimes you know you, you hear something that just catches you by surprise from a coworker. But it has long-lasting effects, and the um, the science of wonder is kind of caught up. I've been on this trail for over fifteen years when there was very little science of wonder, and uh, it's catching up really to show us the remarkable effects it has on our resilience, our thinking, and our capacity to connect with one another. So, and, and and I'm sure you've talked about this before, and I'm certainly <laughs> not the first one to bring this up, but, you know, you go somewhere like, I don't know, four or five-year-old child. I've got mm -hmm. one of my grandkids is about, is four, and it's so funny, we'll go somewhere and I, I'm not paying much attention, I'll hear go, wow. <laughs> and you look around and it's like, what? What's so, wow? <laughs> yeah, so, so we're, the point is, we're born with this in like large amounts. So how do we lose it? I'm so glad you said that. I have a seven-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old daughter and they're great wonder trackers. But there are instances I have to say, John, when I'm a bit more in wonder than they are. And so huh. wonder is not just kid stuff. It's pretty, yeah. pretty remarkable grown-up stuff. So yeah, wonder does wane and it wanes in part neurologically. So when we're about my older daughter's age, 12, 13 years old, our synapses start to prune in the brain and we don't have all of those, you know, great connections going on in our brain. Culturally, without a doubt, particularly in United States culture and even the Scottish Irish, which uh, is part of my heritage, with the hard work ethic, we have a cultural bias against wonder. And it's it doesn't seem productive. And yet the irony of wonder is that it it can help us become remarkably productive without burning out or or burning bridges. 
You know, one of the things, since you mentioned productivity, and obviously it's it's in the title or subtitle of the book as well, is one of the ways we are more productive, or at least I find myself more, is, is through habits, through rituals, <laughs> through things that I do every day. And, and, you know, I wonder while, while on one hand that makes us very productive or can make us feel productive, it certainly numbs us a bit, uh, I suppose, to, to change or to surprise, doesn't it? Oh, I, this is such a great question. Nobody's really uh, touched on this. So rituals, which I have them in the morning to make me very intentional. I have some specific to wonder, but the irony is just what you said, is that the ritual can become routine and then it just becomes a sort of default expectation. And we're wired. Uh, the neuroscientists call this uh, re- network of the brain, the default mode network. We're wired in so uh, to sort of categorize things, get in routine so we can move on with our life. But the challenge for us in these times is to disrupt our default routines, yeah. our default ways of thinking, our, our even our default rituals, right? Is to kind of make your ritual spicy, so to speak, every once in a while. <laughs> so... You write a lot, you work with it's in, in, as I read your bio, you work with a lot of creatives and have for a long time. And I think certainly, uh, you know, a true creative has no uh, problem with this idea of, of wonder that I have to get in my state where I can be creative and not just be in my kind of rat race state. So how do you, first off, I know you're not saying that that's who needs this that's <laughs> right. or that's who it's for. But so how do you get people past that idea of saying, oh, well, that's fine for, you know, those people that we don't know what they're doing over there anyway, you know, and bring it into the workplace? That's such a great question because that that is also a lot of my work with yeah. professionals and executives and teams and organizations. So I will say I was heartened to see that the Harvard Business Review recently published an article from a couple of researchers that seemed to get at the premise of our body of work about why managers and leaders need to protect their sense of wonder in our times. So one way to think about what wonder does and how it benefits us in this world of work that has just shifted for everybody is that experiences of wonder. So what the science of wonder is showing us that is that if we can habitually recall, share, and foster experiences of wonder, that by doing that, even in the workplace, right? Even with team leaders, recalling, sharing, and fostering experiences of wonder. These experiences actually boost our capacity to focus in these times of rampant distraction. They actually build our resilience. And I won't go into all of the science of how it's now demonstrated to do so, but it's as good for us as good rest and good good diet. It gives us resilience to keep working for the marathon, not just the sprint. And wonder is remarkably pro-social. So this is the beautiful part, I think, of my research in our times is it's not just for the solo creative, you know, getting inspired with their ideas in some uh, studio. It's pro-social. It actually can make us more generous with one another. It can also, let me see if I can put it in this context too. It helps us see each other again in a new way. So you were talking about, you know, how rituals can become a habit. We can become habituated with one another, can't we? Right? People, it's like, you know, attend any team meeting and you're like, oh, there goes so-and-so again. Oh, yeah. We've sort of boxed each other in. 
wonder has this remarkable ability to disrupt our biased ways of thinking about a problem, of seeing each other, and even of seeing ourselves. Yeah, it's funny. I live on the edge of a national forest and, you know, a deer walks by and I'm like, oh, whatever, another deer. And, and so, <laughs> so, so how, you know, how do we, so I'm sure there are a lot of people who say, okay, yeah, this is a nice concept, Jeffrey. I don't disagree with the concept. We need more wonder in our life. But, but I'm sure that there are a lot of pragmatic people who are saying, give me the example of, you know, how I bring wonder as an experience or, you know, how, do, how, do I, how am I intentional about this? Because I think that it's probably one of those things that is going to take some work or some practice for people. It will. Exactly. So tracking wonder is a skill set and a set of practices that we yeah. all, all can learn and, and sort of reclaim that birthright, as you alluded to earlier, right? We're all born wide-eyed with wonder and we can actually practice, right? Just as you know, leaders want to practice becoming compassionate, we can practice right, right. Uh, uh, fostering and tracking wonder. So yeah, in the book, I lay out what I call six facets of wonder, six sides of wonder. So we can really start to identify identify them in our lives and, and figure out how to foster more of them. So there's openness and curiosity are two really important facets that we can develop the skill set for more actively and regularly to approach any challenges more creatively instead of reactively. So for instance, a challenge comes up for you the natural response might be fight or flight, right? Very reactive. It's just sure. part of how we're wired. But instead, if we can practice pausing that reactivity and get curious and ask really intentionally curious questions like, what's going on here in this challenge, this problem? How could we think about this differently? That's just one activity, right? The next pair of facets are bewilderment and hope. These are really important facets of wonder that demonstrably build our resilience and our fortitude to navigate adversity and challenge, which I think the whole globe needs right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes just to, when, when we're feeling down or like in a dark place, whether as a team or as an individual, we can catch that natural darkness. We don't need to bypass it. But we can do things like stepping outdoors, taking a five-minute walk, taking a breather, looking up at the sky, so to speak, wherever you live, there is sky. And you're probably going to come away with a slightly different perspective than, than you did five minutes before. The, second, the third pair of facets are connection and admiration. And these are really central and at the heart of your brilliance, which is marketing, connection and admiration are the facets of wonder that are very pro-social and allow us really to see one another in a new way. So when we come in conflict, which is very common, whether we're working remotely or in the workplace, we, when we come in conflict, there are a number of things you could do. Just pause in the moment of conflict, detach yourself from the situation, and actually practice seeing the person in front of you or the person you're in conflict with differently, new like recognizing this person's probably not intentionally harming you or trying to make your life miserable. Right. Yeah. So let me just pause here for a moment too, John, though, and say for the teams that I work with, we just start, first we start with a wonder at work assessment, just to kind of see, 
where each team member is and those different facets and other areas. And then sometimes we'll start with just a few wonder interventions that we figure out together. So what what can we do at the beginning of the day or the beginning of a meeting differently? So for instance, team managers now sometimes start off a meeting with, okay, everyone share, just share a small highlight from the past week or share something with us that kind of blew your mind. That forces you to actually not just focus on the negative or the problems, but actually see these beautiful moments that were actually quite meaningful and can really bond us. The next set of interventions would be in the middle of the day. This is really, really important that all the research bears out is how to break better in order to work well. So sometimes it requires timing. Sometimes it requires a team agreeing at a certain time of day to break together better step outdoors, step away from the screen. I know remote teams who are like, okay, we all have to go outdoors and prove it (laughs) to get away from the screen. And then finally, at the end of the day or the end of the week, a certain, I, I guess you could call them rituals. We call them wonder interventions where you come together and reflect what was the most meaningful for you in this past week. And so those beginning, middle and end wonder interventions are usually just a starting place for starting, you know, for really shaking up the default ways of working and working together. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Send in Blue, an all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering small businesses to build stronger customer relationships through end-to-end digital marketing campaigns. They support businesses successfully navigating their digital presence in order to strengthen their customer relationships. Send in Blue allows you to create captivating and personalized email campaigns, custom landing pages, sign-up forms, automated workflows, transactional messaging, CRM, and more. And best of all, duct tape marketing listeners can click on sendinblue.com slash duct tape marketing to sign up for a free trial. And if you use the promo code on that page, duct tape, you'll get 50% off for your first three months, either on a light or premium account. All right. So as I hear you talk about this, I want to break it into two ways that, that I think that I think most people will, will logically jump as they just listen to you describe that this is culture. This is stuff we're going to work on in our organization. And I think a lot of people are open to that idea. I mean, I think everybody realizes the value of that. How would you apply this or how would you encourage somebody to apply this in a, say, customer service or even sales role? That's so not to an internal team, but but to actually bring this level of empathy out into the external world. I love that you asked that in, in marketing and, and in sales. So let's just start with openness and curiosity, because you and I both know that we all can get into our default habits of sales and marketing. Like we learn, quote, best practices and, and we have certain biases, right, that are laid out in psychology that if it worked one time, well, it should work a second and a third time, Right. So by just practicing uh, some openness and curiosity, getting really curious and saying, hmm, how could I approach this sales call just a little differently? And then let's jump to connection. How could I actually attune to this person, ask some curious questions, genuine curious questions, right? Because you know the heart of marketing quite often is listening and really getting some resonance with what's happening 
with the person on the other side of your sales call. And then establishing some genuine, some genuine connection. It has to be, it has to be genuine really for it, for it to work. Right. And I think that's sometimes one of the dangers when people, people are out there expressing this idea of we have to bring more curiosity and we have to listen. I mean, these, these are concepts that people in some cases get shoved down their throat, that that's what we need to be doing here. But I I mean, how, how do you, how do you, how do you handle uh, a situation where, you know, somebody is basically faking wonder for a while. Mm, mm. That requires, <laughs> that requires some self-knowledge. Yeah, so yeah. there is, there is a, a sort of unchapter in the book that's at the heart of this body of work. And it can start to sound like a little woo, but I ground it in classical mm-hmm. philosophy from the Greek thinkers. The Greek thinkers said that, suggested that like I'm talking Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, not to get too wonky on your audience, but that we're each born with this sort of force of character that's unique to each of us, that's distinct to each of us. They called it your daemon, your your genius, as it mm-hmm. as it were. And it's unique to each of us, but we were born forgetting it. But if we remember it at certain times and bring it to our work, bring it to our sales calls, it will guide us toward our best work in the world at whatever stage in our life. So we do a lot of work with that. So one thing that the salesperson has to do their own self-work and just like really acknowledge who they are at heart and what makes them come alive in sales. My father was a brilliant salesperson in the Dallas media world. And I asked him one time, like, First, Dad, what do you do? And he said, well, I, I sell air because <laughs> it was radio right, advertising right, right, at the right. time. And then I said, why are you so good at what you do? And I always deliver what I promise and I really care about people. And so I've always remembered that. So, you know, the salesperson who's trying to fake it has to really do the self-knowledge to say, okay, really, what is the genius part of me that makes me come alive in sales? Why do I care about sales in the first place? And can I see the genius in the person on the other side of the sales call. That's a really, now that can sound a little woo, but it's a really important practice that probably any leader or manager who's successful knows they have to do, they have to practice seeing the person on the other side differently. You talk about this this idea of admiration and there's a line uh, to quote, is the experience a surprising love for someone else's excellence. I think that's probably one of the, we, I think anyone who has done that has experienced the value of doing that, but it's also seems to be in our, in our obsession to climb whatever it is we're climbing <laughs> seems to be one of the hardest things to do. Wow. I'm so glad you, that is the, the admiration chapter I have to say is my favorite chapter in the book. And I feel like it's one of the most important and I agree. I, and that's why it's the sixth. I think it is the hardest in our culture, we seem to admire big celebrities and heroes from afar, but we seem hard pressed to admire the person we work with, to see them differently, for the leaders to see the employees differently and admire their grit and their, you know, their character. But right, it is admiration is a surprising love for someone else's excellence in character or craft. And so again, that this is that practice of really actively practicing, seeing the other person differently. This is a big game changer in culture, but also even for the, 
small business owner who gets irritated with their customers. So I've, I've worked with small businesses before and I've listened to how they describe their customers. And I'm like, okay, hmm, we need to do just a little subtle admiration work here. You've been working on this idea, Tracking Wonder, for quite some time. You know, obviously you've, you've brought it together through, you've referred to as body of work, your body of work of research and experience in doing this work. So if... And this answer, I assume, will change in a year from now. But right now, <laughs> right as the book is coming out, what's the impact that you want to have on on the mm. on the reader or the people that that, that take even a, just a kernel of this to heart? Thanks for that question. I really want this book to be the antidote to quitting. Mm-hmm. We're in this season of quitting nationally in the United States, but I also yeah. mean quitting the antidote to quitting on our dreams and the antidote to quitting on our ideals. We have some big challenges ahead individually and collectively. And I really want this book to serve to catalyze us to keep reaching for possibilities. Yeah. yeah I, th- I feel like there's a, you know, we went through, not that I don't want to rehash the pandemic on every show, but I seem to get, get there one way or another. We, uh, Went through this period where everybody was like, I, I almost felt like there was an energy around, oh, how, how do we have to change? How do we have to shift? How do we have to help each other? And now we're 18 months in and the slog has just kind of become, you know, something nobody's talking about anymore, but we're all still experiencing that, that, you know, that is, you know, you talk about this great resignation, you know, that people talk about. I, I think that, I think that's why we're coming to uh, a head in that. I do too. I appreciate your saying that too. I remember that that spring of 2020 yeah. and my girls were home and I was actually quite ecstatic that they were home. Yeah, <laughs> we were yeah. camping in the backyard and, <laughs> you know, I don't want to make light of the situation because there was real suffering on, yes. on our part and on so many people's parts, but there was this sort of awakening, so to speak. Yep. And that facet of wonder called bewilderment, I think the whole globe was experiencing it, but yeah. you're right. All of a sudden then we have to sustain hope, right? Yeah. That we yeah. are going to continue to learn what's been really exposed, right? That's been broken in so many ways in our institutions and in our, our old habits personally and, and collectively that I really do want this book and what ripples out of this book to serve for us to really stay open and keep questioning the status quo, whether that's the status quo in our own lives or the status quo in our workplaces, really question our own assumptions. I'll just say I had I was talking with a client who's a president of a company. And he was in bewilderment, but he said, you know, what is our new metrics for productivity? We never had a good metric. And so how am I going to measure like the 250 employees coming back where I have to, you know, say, give him credit when the pandemic came lockdown and so forth. He's like, okay, we need to take care of home first for our people. And then- will take care of work. But now that people are coming back into the workplace, I just love that question because he's staying open, John. He's staying open to the questions as opposed to going to the default answers and, and immediate closure. So Jeffrey, tell people where they can connect with you and obviously find out more about the book itself and the work that you're doing around Wonder. Yeah, thanks. This has been a real pleasure. They can go to trackingwonder.com. They can also go to trackingwonder.com slash podcast bonus. And we'll uh, we'll have a Wonder at Work assessment they can take and maybe a couple of other bonuses for your listeners. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. It was obviously uh, great uh, having you stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And hopefully uh, we can run into each other one of these days soon out there on the road. I hope so too, John. 
Take care. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to share this show. Feel free to give us reviews. You know, we love those things. Also, did you know that we had created training, marketing training for your team? If you've got employees, if you've got a staff member that wants to learn a marketing system, how to install that marketing system in your business, Check it out. It's called the Certified Marketing Manager Program from Duct Tape Marketing. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that tab that says Training for Your Team.